wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Gut health is as important as what we think it is. It's just that I think we're looking at it wrong. Epidemics as obesity, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's, autism, all of those things are now known to be related not only to the gut bugs but also to the brain bugs. So they think it's, they're being accused of something imaginary. And the truth is the symptoms they're experiencing are very real. We are decimating a very, very important symbiotic relationship with these bacteria. They're just turning off, taking a drug, turning the symptoms off and not listening. Our body's not being able to concentrate on digestion. It's worrying about where, where we're going next, what we're reading, what we're watching on TV. The, the paleo diet is, it's a contentious diet. If we're not making those aromatic amino acids, we are not making our neurotransmitters. Depression, anxiety are all increasing. Part of our microbiome has the potential to actually help with our hormonal balance. And it's impossible to just take a probiotic to replace, quote unquote, the ones that you've lost. Microbiome can shift very quickly within, you know, 48 hours. A lot of people um, get an idea that GAPS is very black and white. It definitely isn't. You really have to tweak it for your own body. They don't realise the power of food. The power of food to make us sick and the power of food to make us well. Everything comes back to the guts. The best diet for the gut is a diet that includes pretty much everything from whole foods. Hi, I'm Dr. Damien Christoph, naturopath, nutritionist and chiropractor. Hi, this is Dr. Martin Smith. Helen Pattern. Cindy O'Meara here. Dr. Matt Kringudis. Hey, this is Casey Wilson. Lee Holmes. Dr. Andrea Huddleston. John Elliman, I'm a microbiologist. Dad Patrick, naturopath and counsellor. This is Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking. Welcome to the Gut Healing Summit. Hello and welcome to A Quirky Journey. Today we have with us a really special guest and a good friend of ours. Hi, Fuad. No, you're not the special guest. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have Kale, Kale Brock. Hi, Kale. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good, good. Good, Kale. Good to have you on the show, mate. Uh, it's good to um, finally, finally chat with you guys on air. I feel like We've had so many amazing conversations off air that it was about time we probably recorded one. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And for those of you who may not know who Kale is, if there's any of you out there, um, (laughs) Kale is an award-nominated journalist. He's a researcher and a professional speaker. He has qualifications as a health and exercise coach and he's worked in the health and wellness industry, industry since 2007. And we've all spent a bit of time together at wellness summits and Um, all sorts of things like that. And he's worked with a lot of um, naturopaths and health personalities in Australia. He's now specializing in the area of gut health and the microbiome. And um, we have some exciting news to share about what he's been doing recently. Um, So we're really looking forward to hearing about your newest project, Kale. The Gut Healing Summit. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's no, it's... uh... I tell you, Joe, it's been a very, 
very um, hectic couple of months, I Bet. suppose, for me because I've been <laughs> dashing off around the country. I've been in Melbourne, um, Adelaide. I just moved to Sydney, and uh, I've been doing interviews in all those places. Um, obviously, with the Gut Healing Summit, we decided pretty early on that, um, or I decided I wanted it to be a an in person video format um, yeah. f- for the interviews because I'm just a little bit. You know, a little bit tired of the the Skype versions, yes, especially when it comes to a when it comes to a summit. Yeah, I feel like there's lacking that um, that humanism behind a, a good interview. So mm. I uh, yeah spent spent a lot of money and uh, yes, got, went around the country um, interviewing people with my camera guy. And um, you know, I think it's been really fantastic, and I'm really glad that we actually invested the time and um, the effort into actually doing those recordings in person. And I've been um, speaking with some amazing guests and really finding uh, some consistent messages across the, the gut health field, but also finding some some myth-busting tendencies of some <laughs> guests as well, which is really, really cool, and, and finding out some awesome facts along the way. Basically, you know, whenever I do these things, I, I, I gave up a long time ago trying to work out who my target audience was and all this sort of <laughs> stuff. I just sort of said, I'm just going to do these things for me. So I asked the questions that I want to know the answers to yeah, of my guests and they come up with some really interesting things. Obviously, we've got a quite a varied mix. We've got yourself on there. We've got um, integrative chiropractors and women health specialists. We've got um, molecular geneticists. We've got um, wow. microbiologists and uh, naturopaths and um, counsellors and a whole bunch more. So it's been a really, really fun experience and I'm, I'm really excited to actually to get it out there and see what people think. Yeah. Well, before we get into all the details about the summit and what you've learnt through it, could you give us a bit of a background on yourself and how you got into being interested in all of this? Because you're quite young. How old are you, Cal? Can, are we allowed to ask that? Oh, are you allowed to ask that? Well, I don't. I don't have to. <laughs> no, I'm, 20, I'm 25. <laughs> I'm 25 years old. Because <laughs> I just, I know when we first met you, hey, Fuad, we were just like, oh my goodness, how does he know so much at such a young age? I think I was still, um, I don't know what I was doing at that age, but it surely wasn't learning about gut health. <laughs> so it's very yeah, it, impressive. Yeah, I just met him like in in October. Was it John yeah. at the Wellness Summit? Yeah, it was the first time I met him and. Um, I had a quick chat to him because his store was right next to ours at the Wellness Summit and then we went in to watch Kale talk and he was just amazing. I, I couldn't believe mind, what I was yeah. saying. Like, yeah, I, 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 like, I knew he, he seemed clever when I uh, talked to him, but then on stage he had such a great presence. He was yeah. funny. He was very well educated about his topic and he delivered it so well. Like, you're definitely one of my favorite speakers at the yeah. summit last year, Kale. I, oh, I really love seeing you on stage, man. And um, I, th- I thought you were brilliant. And um, I saw, like, a really big future for you, especially, like, knowing that you're 25 years old and, you know, having this kind of um, ability to hold down your content so well I was just so impressed and uh, man I'm so happy to have you on the show really like to, to hear what you've got to say I want to hear more about your story and um, how you got to know all this stuff at such an early age so yeah, yeah man we'd love to 
The first Thank time, you so much. I just have to mention the first time I heard you speak, I videoed the whole thing on my phone. So I was just like, this is amazing. <laughs> I have to keep this. <laughs> I also so, thought uh, very so was a pseudonym that you put on at first. I'm like, why would he call himself Kale? Kale Broccoli. Your Instagram Kale's name broccoli. is Kale, Kale's Broccoli. Yeah. <laughs> more I, more probably... people call me Kale Broccoli now than my real name that's right i suppose you get that question first up a lot why how did you get that name i guess it did your parents like kale yeah no well this is the thing like it was kind of i i describe it as it was the um the least worst name on dad's list that mum could handle so she said okay i can handle kale but then then grandma said to um mum she said you can't call him kale that's a cabbage but um evidently it was quite appropriate and it worked um, out perfectly suppose, didn't it <laughs> yeah, you know i could fight it against it or i could just go with it and uh I, i'm definitely one for just going with no come i up think with it, that whole kale's broccoli thing. i think it works well <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, but I um I actually didn't, you know, I wasn't brought up in a um in a very health orientated family. Not that we were um exactly unhealthy, we just didn't really think about health the way the way it's thought about nowadays. Um, it was just kind of food was food and, you know, we didn't grow up with a lot of money, so we, it had to be affordable. It often had to be made from scratch um, and we didn't eat out a lot. But I also, you know, was brought up in a, a mix of between a country town called Port Augusta in South Australia, which is very country. So we used to spend a lot of time on the rocks chasing mud crabs and going fishing and then I eventually got into surfing. But it wasn't until um, – I was 16, I was diagnosed with supraventricular tachycardia, which is a really long, scary sounding name, but it was called SVT. And this sort of, this was a heart condition where I would experience arrhythmias to the point where um, I would actually almost faint. So it's kind of a little bit scary, especially I would experience these arrhythmias out on the footy field or um, most frequently in the surf. So being amongst the waves, almost fainting um, was quite a dangerous situation to be in. No, it's Mm. not good. So we went to the doctor and they hooked me up. They sent me home with all these batteries attached to me, like a little portable ECG machine, and um, nothing happened. I went back, and we, we ended up doing some treadmill running, and I had this little arrhythmia, and they said, ah, oh, yes, we know what that is. It's it's called SVT. So long story short, I was sitting opposite um, the cardiologist at Flinders Medical Center in, in Adelaide, and um, they said, look, the only thing – we can do is um, an ablation and uh, an ablation is where that, and he had a little heart figurine on the table in front of him and he was nimbly he's pulling it apart with his very dexterous hands and I thought oh this is not looking good and um, he pulled it open and he was showing me a part of the heart that was malfunctioning the sinoatrial node he said what we're going to do is just burn this away and immediately little alarm bells went off I said this oh I thought this is a little bit illogical. Just because it's not working doesn't mean we should destroy it and attack mm. it. And um, I suppose that's quite reflective of, of Western medicine at certain times. Um, at least up until this point, hopefully this season changes soon. But at that point, I just sort of said, look, um, 
this is quite a drastic situation to be in. I don't want to have heart surgery at the age of 16. Perhaps I can look at nutrition. And he said, no, nutrition's got nothing to do with it. But um, I was actually at that point introduced to a wonderful naturopath of um, of probably 40 years now who um, – worked in Adelaide and and was a very, very experienced woman, a lot, very, I suppose, influenced by the um, Campbell McBride School of Thought and done a lot of training in that. And um, she was able to teach me quite quickly some basic health principles, which still stick with me today. Well, and I was great. able to turn that condition around in about six months. So wow. as, a, as a journalist, yeah, it was a big empowering thing. And as a journalist, I had so many questions to ask and I immediately just went into um, – information saturation and I completely absorb myself into into health and wellness probably from the age of about 17 18 to all the way through to to 23 and now I just basically um and am much more relaxed and slow paced about the the health information gathering and um <laughs> take more of a of a professional relaxed um, approach but it's all sort of led me to where I am so you know it was almost a blessing having that that diagnosis so early on I think that's the case with a lot of people that have an amazing um, knowledge of things it usually begins with their own issues doesn't it Absolutely, and it's something that's been consistent across nearly all my guests on the mm-hmm. on the summit as well. Is that and anyone I interview on the podcast in person, it's just most people come into it from their own health crisis, and mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, we get to a point now where people stop only fixing things once they're broken, and yeah. we start looking at things pro- prophylactically. I think that's you know definitely coming um but you know then that's that's why it's important for us to do to do what we do to really share a a well-rounded message of of whole foods and a holistic lifestyle because we don't want people to get sick before they start becoming interested in in wellness yeah yeah this is the conversation go ahead yeah um i'm just uh, wondering you you were a journalist at the age of 16 is that what what i gathered as well from (laughs) I was a budding journalist back then, so I was um, commentating the local surf competitions. Wow. I was um, doing the the local um, surfing podcast, <laughs> and uh, I was doing a bunch of media with, with Surfing South Australia. We had a little TV show at one point. We had an online show. So I was doing a bunch of that stuff quite early on, and it wasn't until I was 19 that I became an official journalist at Channel 10 where I worked for two years as a as a reporter for what? for totally wild <laughs> yes so so you you, that's early. what people say they're like oh, I, I get it yeah I did start <laughs> early and um that was really like media boot camp for me so I learned yeah. so much about you know a lot of video production and and that's kind of where my my expertise lies now and that's really where I find flow and, and passion in life is is sharing stories mm. and um for the last four or five years, it's been sharing that story of of the gut and the microbiome because I felt there was a big gap between what the research was saying and what the practitioners were doing and the everyday person. You know, it was easy for to go into a, a room filled with, with health personalities and people who were already into health, but I wanted to actually breach the everyday, quote-unquote, normal people as well because I felt they were missing out because we were making that message too esoteric and too hard to approach. Exactly. Um, so that's really where, yeah, that's really where I came into it and found that middle ground and, and was able to 
to build, I suppose, a bit of a, a place in, yeah. in the industry. Well, that's what I think has been so needed and that's what, you know, my passion has been also in Fuad's, um, just really getting this message in a down-to-earth way to people so that they can actually implement changes because they just, I mean, hearing all this stuff and reading about it in articles is one thing, but trying to actually put it into practice is another. Yeah, and it's such an important step you know I feel like so many people now are very interested in in learning more and more and more but not enough people are actually doing and applying that information I get emails or or social media comments every single day from people saying hey where did you train where should I go and learn where should I go and learn and that's fine but I also think that you know, we have access to so much information mm. now. We literally have a university degree at our fingertips on iTunes, mm. you know. So um, at what do we actually say, how can I start applying this information and creating a bit of a, a clean um, program for myself or other people? Mm. And I, you know, I think we're getting closer there. I think we're bound to reach a point where people start acting instead of um, just listening. Yeah. Yeah, when uh, someone like you has uh, been looking at this for as long as you have, uh, I bet at first, you know, you go through those uh, emotions of being, like, really shocked about, like, how wrong everything was when, you know, and how the world's doing things. But as you progress and you, you learned all these things and now you've kind of slowed down on the learning, that shows to me that there's there's been some kind of, um, philosophy that's emerged in the way that you view things like you've sort of bedded down uh, a view or a lens through which you see health holistically um, am I right and if so can you share a little bit uh, with us about what your philosophy is at a high level before we go down into the detail I mean that's that's the the best question to ask me basically <laughs> and um, I just I just love that and you're very insightful yes. Um Absolutely. I feel like I reached a point where I noticed a lot of, I mean, if I'm being completely honest here, I did notice a lot of disparity between certain certain health personalities in, in what they shared and, and how they actually acted in, in quote unquote real life. And, yeah. um, and there was, you know, I think there was a moment and I think Damien, Dr. Damien Christoph had a big influence on me when mm-hmm. I saw how relaxed his approach was yeah. to to health and wellness and how he, um, you know, he to sum it up, and I suppose this is quite new, new to me, which is why I'm almost struggling for words, but Damien summed it up in our interview, you've got you've to love your parasites to death sort of thing. <laughs> and I think that you know, I released something the other day on um, Facebook that was something like, you know, you can't actually attack the body into wellness. You've actually got mm. to nourish and love the body into wellness. And it's different for everyone. That's good. Because when I started, I was very heavily influenced by um, people like David Wolf, uh, who was, you know, obviously quite a staunch raw vegan. Mm. Um, and, you know, that was my thing at the start. And my whole thing was like, well, everybody's got to be raw vegan. But um, what I didn't realize is that everybody is different. And there are so many factors involved in health. And this is another thing that I'm learning is that food is just one uh, part and yeah. all 
albeit I think it's a relatively small part of the overall holistic health equation. You know, if we look at cultures who are living really long lives and are really happy and don't have words for depression or cancer, um, some of their some of their diets don't look all that healthy to us. You know, the Maasai live off 95% fermented dairy <laughs> and they mix a little bit of ox blood in there. And, and we've got the Hunza's... Um, having, you know, a lot of goats products and they're having wheat and grains and all these things that were in complete contradiction to what I was learning. So I had to really take a step back and um, take more of a stance or more of a position as a learner and a storyteller as opposed to someone who was going to actually give advice and and give concrete ideas. Um, mm. I suppose more, a journalist's job is to almost sit in the grey area and actually share both sides of the story in it in what is hopefully a balanced way. And, you know, you're right of that journey, I was completely shocked with with what the medical industry were doing to people and how, you know, the, the staunch ignorance forward slash arrogance um, in that industry was was disgusting but what I think I closed myself off to was looking at all the positive things that some of those individuals in that industry are doing as well you know so I think once I stood back and said hey why don't I just be an observer and why don't I just actually allow my strengths to really drive where my career goes and and I always landed back on storytelling and explaining potentially complicated things in an everyday human sort of way Um, and once I did that all the pressure came off and I didn't feel like I had to read every single research paper I didn't feel like I had to read every single book or listen to every single podcast and memorize the facts and the figures about the amount of vitamin A and goji berries and what they were going to do to your human growth hormone levels and all that different thing (laughs) all those different things I just sort of said hey let's take a step back and just relax and 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 share what is what is hopefully a nice well-rounded story that inspires people to take action um rather than just sit back and and wonder why the media are are bashing pete evans and all this sort of different (laughs) stuff to actually just sit back and say hey is there any merit in in both sides of the story and how does it apply to me and what can i do to actually act on this information if i want to um i hope that i hope that answers it but it's definitely a, a a very um big it that topic has a big presence in my life that's a nice job (laughs) that that's the sort of thing that we've been talking about recently a lot too haven't we Fouad yeah absolutely like um and you're right like you will go into the details first and try to understand all these like you know micronutrients macronutrients trace minerals uh, you know everything from like you know circadian rhythm and um, the, you know uh, uh, cycles and all that kind of stuff and then at the end of it you'll come out and go wow well, that was really important to learn and really uh, a really good foundation in biology and um, mm-hmm. understanding at a, at a small level but that that's also um, you know that we've inherited this approach from a reductionist society that always wants to look at things in their small part never steps you know back enough to look at the whole picture and mm. um and the whole picture for us at least for, for me and I, I know joe um shares my view to an extent um but we look back at 
um, you know, Western civilization and um, all the countries that follow suit now, um, they have a disconnect between uh, themselves and their relationship to nature and um, the planet. And from that, that cre creates societal structures that, for instance, um, will uh, spray food with pesticides or they will import foods from different countries and uh, uh, create a massive carbon footprint because of it. Or um, they would mm -hmm. put chlorine in the water and uh, they would make you fearful of sun, the sun. And <laughs> because of that, they create an, a toxic environment where um, the human being that's born into it is born into like a world of amnesia where they don't actually know that there's actually an alternative or there's a better idea of how to go about doing things. And they take part of this, uh, this society and uh, they start seeing the toxic environment um, making its impact on their own biology. And then their biology, uh, you know, will manifest in different ways, autoimmune diseases, diabetes, heart disease, cancers, all these kinds of things will start coming up. Even, you know, kids will have things like eczema and uh, all these things will um, cause that issue for the human being. And then they'll start, you know, having to go to the doctor and the doctor will want to sort of burn off a part of their heart for them, you know, and say, look, this is what needs to happen for you. And uh, unless you sort of take your... Um, education in your own hands and go down that path you go down the path of course from where your culture has taught you to go down the path of the, the small part. you know kicking in together and you see a bigger picture and that's the place where you feel more comfortable because you're no longer struggling to look at the small the small parts anymore because they're, they're a lot to keep track of like they yeah. If, uh, all these balls are up in the air but once the picture is complete it's definitely a better place for us and yeah. this, is, this is the picture this is the part that joe and i talk about as well as we talk about a return health through uh, the larger picture as well because no, we're not doctors for one thing we've made our own journey to um you know talk about the uh you know looked at the smaller parts we don't have a medical degree, but um, the, the big picture is what helps and inspires people. Like, I'm not going to inspire people by talking to them about, like, iron levels and that kind of stuff. But <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I think yeah. um, stories stories sell and facts tell. Yeah. Um, so the more, and I think you're completely right, I think adding on to that, I think we're very distracted nowadays from from things that I suppose are quite important to our innate intelligence, if you will, like having purpose and having a relationship with nature and having a sense of community and 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 being nourished with mm. with real food is is so rare these days and that disconnect i don't think is is by accident we're very distracted now and that left brain dominance is i suppose coming from various factors you know we've all got our phones now and it's it's harder to switch off there's so many things demanding our attention um so it's very easy to slip into that habit of learn more do more do more whereas off and the most powerful things we can do for our health come from doing less. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm completely in alignment with that. Yeah. So if someone came to you today, Kale, and said, look, man, I want to be healthier, what would you say? What's, the, what's your uh, large picture? What, what's the big picture for you? The first question I've started asking is, is what's your purpose? What's your, what's your overarching dream and what's your goal? Because I think without something to anchor to, to attain health and wellness anyway, and this is what I write about in 
you know, I've written about on, on my blogs and, and in the book as well, um, is that you've got to have a why and not just a why to get healthy. You've got to have a why to wake up in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, I suppose a lot of people find, and I was speaking with my friend Nick about this, who's a holistic lifestyle coach um, yesterday. I had him over for dinner and I said, what's the number one thing that you see affecting people's lives in a negative way? And he said 99% of people just have no sense of purpose and have Mm. no sense of joy and love for what they do each day. And that to me is a a huge tragedy because, you know, I could talk about eating whole foods and and getting on bone broth and and working out your gut health, which is incredibly important. But if you don't have a reason to do that and, and, you know, you think you do, but unconsciously your your mind is so unfulfilled and unstimulated with, you know, the typical doldrums of of a nine to five job that you're not Mm. happy with or relationships that you're not happy with, then, all of that's going to be almost pointless in a way because you're, you're going to, yeah, you're going to self-sabotage. You're not going to have a, a reason to to want to do that and to want to thrive and and have vitality. And I think that's, like my friend Nick said, it's one of the biggest things affecting us is that we are actively encouraged almost to actually settle for for less than what we actually want, and you know, we're we're told to do all the all the have tos instead of the want tos, and that was something I mm. decided to to prioritize early on. You know, when I finished school, I did really well at school um, in year twelve. You know, I was ducks to my school, and mm. it was like, you know, go to university, go and do all these things. You could become a doctor. You could do all <laughs> these things. And my first instinct was. I don't want to do those things. Yeah. I, wa- I wanted to go surfing. So I packed up my my old Toyota Hiace, 1986 Toyota Hiace, mm-hmm. and actually travelled um, Australia living in the back of my van for, for oh, almost awesome. a year. So, you know, I think I don't know if I'm just – I was lucky to be exposed to different ideas early on, but I think that constant driving force of, of questioning – and constantly checking in with my heart, if you will, or subconscious or, or whatever you want to call it, um, and whether I'm actually on path with with my highest values and my overarching dream, which, to be honest, you know, surfing has a, has a big role to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly checking in there has enabled me to really stay on topic and, and have a reason to do what I do every day. So if someone came to me and said, Hey, what should I do to get healthy? I'd say, well, what's your reason for getting healthy? What's yeah, your good. what's your overarching dream in life? That's really good. Well, this is this is one thing that I find a lot of people you put them in that place and they'll just give you like the oh you know I just want to just buy a house and you know be <laughs> my family you know or you know like that's I I just want to like because they've never really thought that they have an alternative to their life and whatever calling is inside them to achieve things that are more personally fulfilling to them that's been sort of shoved to the side ever since they were children and they don't know that the spark that is there how do you how do you get them to change their view and to actually see that there is something else that they should be looking for inside themselves i think there's some key questions to ask and um one of those questions, and Alan Watts, who's an old philosopher, puts it nicely, is, is what would you 
do if money were no object? If yeah. money didn't matter, what would you spend your time doing? I think that is a really important leading question. And yeah. for me, it's, yeah. you know, I'd probably just go surfing yeah. <laughs> all day and do a, do a, a lot less work than what Hang I do now. Swim, <laughs> yeah. lay in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So it would be it'd be quite different. But at the same time, you know, I mean, just coming from this personally, I, I enjoy the intellectual stimulation and the and the creativity yeah. challenge that comes with with working for yourself and, and doing what I do. So I do love that as well. Mm. So I think those questions that what would you do if if money didn't matter is a really important thing. And it often it, it often it really stumps people. People sit there and go, wow, well, I, I don't even know. And, you know, I also ask, what do you daydream about? What do you yeah. think about all the time? What's at the front of your mind that you really want to do? What excites you is a really good question. Some people say, well, it's travel. Some people say, well, it's family, which is completely fine. Maybe it's lawn bowls or tennis for you whatever it is find it and do more of it and i think as soon as you commit to doing that you're immediately going to come from a better place Mm -hmm. um health wise because remember our 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 mind and our bodies are so connected chinese medicine doesn't even separate the two once we have um once we've checked off that box and said yeah i'm going to start fulfilling myself every day and i'm going to live on path and that path can change, by the way, then, you know, it's much easier to to get the health right. You know, I, when I was working as a health coach, which I don't anymore, um, I saw it a lot. You know, I saw people who were, who were absolutely struggling to find a reason to get healthy. Mm. So um, now it's it's changing i think you know this topic is becoming a lot more popular to talk about and hopefully you know with with this sort of with these sort of conversations we start to see people actually taking a stand because it's not encouraged enough and i suppose that's where the school system failed and i think that's why mm. i never went to university yeah. um because i didn't want to be shaped into a mold that wasn't going to fit me and who i was It reminds me of something that I talk to my kids about, Um, you know, you can get so caught up in the details like you were saying earlier that everything becomes so overwhelming and, you know, with kids doing school, it's like you say, you can get so caught up in the, I have to learn these facts, I have to learn these figures Um, and at the end of the year they just dump them because they don't actually need them and the overall life is not being learnt, you know, the things that really are important in life. And there's a little poem that I taught my kids. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've just got to say it, right? Um, it's a centipede was happy until a toad in fun said, pray, which leg comes after which? Which threw her mind in such a pit she lay bewildered in the ditch considering how to run. <laughs> and I <just> thought <laughs> that really fits because – you know, people can get so caught up with the, I've got to do this, I've got to make the bone broth, I've got to make sure it's done at this time, I've got to make sure I take these probiotics, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And they, of course, like you say, that stuff is important. But if that's what's filling your mind constantly, it just becomes very overwhelming and you end up just crashing in a heap um, and, and life isn't, you know, what are you doing it for? Like you say, what are you doing it for? Make mm. sure that you've got that purpose behind it. And for us, I know um, it was the purpose for us was to get Isaac better and to see him growing and getting better every day just 
made it worthwhile. But now we can relax. Now we've got a much mm. more relaxed way of eating and a way of, you know, dealing with the health issues that arise because we've done the hard yards. But yeah, there's, I guess there's what I'm trying to say is there's times where, yes, you have to do focus, focus on all those details. And as long, and what you're saying is as long as you have a good purpose and a good reason behind it, it's worth doing. Am I right? Yeah. And I think if you take on the idea that um, your health and wellness is a really powerful tool to help you achieve your dreams, you know, Mm. it's not, you know, health and wellness isn't the end result. That's right. It's not the end. It's, and it's a, it's a, mm, it's a lifelong journey, you know, and there's no health for health's sake. No, exactly. And there's no finish line. This mm. is the thing. There's no yes. finish line. At some point, you're not going to go, oh, I'm healthy. Well, that was a fun ride. And now yeah. I'll go back to the <laughs> yeah. burgers. That's right. It's not. Yeah, it, it's, it's got to be. It's a lifelong thing. So make it sustainable, make it enjoyable and have a reason for doing it. And there, there'll be times where you have to go full blast, but then you yeah. can slow down again and, you know, focus on the big picture. Yeah, Exactly. There's also this, something to be said about like when you couple the two together. Like even for instance, you don't know exactly what your purpose is, and you don't know where you want to go, but you feel that there's some kind of stirring inside you that's asking mm. you to change things. Now we give these things like a, a term in, um, you know, our countries where we call them like something like a midlife crisis or mm-hmm. something like that. Like you actually get to a point. <laughs> Like their life has gone so far off track where, mm. uh, you know, there's a complete meltdown internally for them that's just trying to say, well, you're not living out your purpose and try to fix things, you know. Yeah. And then, um, But a lot of people don't even know what their purpose are, is anymore because they've ignored it for the major part of their life. So it's really hard to sort of try to find out what it is. Mm. And I find that even just knowing that they're, they're, they should be looking for a purpose, and that that's the first step is try to find your purpose. And in the meantime, if you couple it with a healthy diet where you're trying to get your body in a in good shape, there's a fog that gets lifted yes. off you where you start becoming more clear as well. And you'll you'll be able to take steps towards even uncovering what your purpose is and what your yeah. true passion is. Because you might have sort of been like Let's say you like, I don't know, climbing mountains or something, but because your health has been so bad that you've never even thought that it's possible. You, you thought, I'd never be able to go climb mountains, you know, and, and then you put that idea to the side. But you start eating well, and all of a sudden you get like this kindling of hope inside you where you, you can start discovering what a, what a purpose might look like. And you can have many purposes as well, not just the one, but definitely these things work synergistically and the, mm. the purpose reinforces the healthy eating and the healthy eating reinforces yes. the purpose um so your purpose has you, as you find it now is to to be the storyteller yeah, is that is that right it's definitely a it's definitely a leading a leading fundamental sort of pillar in my life at the moment and i say at the moment because you know i am very open to to that changing over time um but no the the telling stories and the the whole reason i do this i'll I'll tell you is when um i sit here at the computer and you know i i finish an edit or we finally um finish the score and the audio on a clip or whatever it is and you look back at that clip and you get tingles watching it (laughs) that's the whole reason for me 
doing that part of what I do. Um, so, you know, I think just how and, – and you know what's so funny is that it's so rare to get that moment. Mm. Like it's not like you experience that every day. No. You know, yesterday I was yesterday I was probably six interviews deep, um, <laughs> editing and and you're in flow, but you are you're not on purpose at that point. But those tiny moments, and this mm. is so similar to surfing, those tiny moments where you experience absolute joy and there's that alignment between your heart and your brain and the yeah. and the universe that that's really the whole thing for me is is to chase those moments and i find them um in surfing and i find them in 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 storytelling and, and being on stage getting tingles listening to people or, or talking you know it's those little moments where i'm completely in flow yeah. um that that i the whole reason to to live for me you know so and that's why I wake up in the morning to, to find those sneaky little moments of, of flow and then spend the next um, 400 hours trying to find the next one. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful game and, and, you know, it demands a lot of presence and, and I think it also demands a lot of relaxation and concentration at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm so, I mean, I'm so fortunate to, to, to do what I do and to be aware of this. I mean, I don't know. This this did come about through a lot of self-exploration, but I've had a lot of amazing teachers along the way as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel very uh, blessed and lucky to be to be doing what I'm doing and sharing the stories I'm sharing and, and looking at looking towards, you know, a, a career that's going to be very fun and, and fantastic, I'm sure. So no, I'm very, very lucky and, and happy to be where I am. <laughs> well, we want to know more about the stories that you've gathered for the Gut Health Summit. So do you want to start telling us a little bit about what you've been learning, who you've been interviewing? What's, yeah, maybe give sure. us a few so snippets, I, a few previews. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I will. I didn't tell you this, but the guys would have listened to the little audio sting at the start of this podcast. I'm yeah. assuming because I'm going to send that to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so they would have heard the um, the audio trailer. Um, but what's been really great is is finding consistent messages amongst the guests because I didn't want to. I didn't want to create a summit that just left people in that overwhelm scenario. Yeah. So um, what it was really interesting to find that a lot of guests were very um, emphatic on the, the whole foods message. Mm, that's good. And, um, you know, to at least start with, with whole foods when it comes to your gut health. And, you know, this was from people like Dr. Margie Smith, who's a bio, a molecular geneticist. Yeah. So she um, works for smart DNA and she does microbiome tests and she was sharing some messages that were really interesting. She was saying how um, there were some big paradoxes. You know, she found that um, through the testing, there were people who were doing colonic irrigations who were coming out of those colonics with a rapidly fluxing microbiome that was very unhealthy. But she found that some people who were um, healthy, who had a colonic, came out with a much more stable, healthy microbiome. And she was saying how the paleo diet is often um, talked about as being anti-inflammatory, but she found that in some people it was quite inflammatory. Hmm. And, um, you know, that whole foods diet, people who were having foods from, 
you know, various food groups and, and unprocessed whole foods had very healthy-looking microbiomes. Mm. Um, and that was echoed across most of the guests, you know. But I also uh, am very aware that a lot of people now need, you know, a little bit more, Joe. Like, obviously, with your situation, if you guys went on a whole foods diet, it still wouldn't have had the impact yeah, that, we, that we pretty much, did for you. I guess we were about 80 to 90% whole foods and the rest was yeah. like the the cheating, sneaky things when kids were out. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and things went downhill quick just with that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So there were there is a need, I think, for more of an intense um, or skewed sort of approach to mm. to gut health because a lot of people have been damaged now, largely by antibiotics and various mm. other medical interventions which we experience when we grow up, often out of our control. Um, so during those times, we see a, a very damaged microbiome. So it was interesting to find that a lot of people's approach was very similar to um, to gaps with with various little um, tweaks here and there that seemed to to work a little bit better and mm-hmm. and what was also really consistent that I really liked was you know be specific about it you know if you've got health issues do some testing and yeah. and be specific and if you've got parasites well maybe those parasites are, are there for a reason mm-hmm. and rather than looking at attacking those parasites maybe look at nourishing and loving the gut so much that you create an environment where only the good guys can grow mm-hmm. rather than actually coming in and taking what is essentially a Western medical approach but just using herbs instead. Yeah. Um, so that was really interesting. And then looking at obviously fermented food and whether that's appropriate for people who are gut healing. Now, I did a recently did an update of the, the gut healing protocol book, which we're which is um, you know, you know, you guys know what it's like, uh, trying to bring yes. out a book. So the, the second update of the book has a big emphasis on the difference between a gut nourishing diet and a gut healing yes. diet. And um, this is what the guests were very heavy on because um, what they found, and I think what's really powerful when you speak with practitioners who are working every day with clients is that you get a lot of um, feedback, uh, a lot of feedback, you know, anecdotal evidence, which is so incredibly important. And that was that not one protocol worked for every person. Yeah. So they had to they had to be specific and say, okay, look, you've got a little bit of healing to do. Let's restrict the diet momentarily or temporarily and then um, look at doing something like a whole foods approach down the line once we get the results that we're after. Yeah. So it was very interesting to find that and then obviously follow up with some with some interesting questions about, you know, uh, different specific interventions and one of my favorite conversations with was with um dr andrea huddleston who's from the wellness women who's also on the wellness couch and she was talking about how um, much the hormones are affected by Mm. gut health so a lot of women's hormone issues uh hormonal issues are coming from the gut you know if we and we're doing liver detoxes instead you know um but if you if you don't heal the gut um your liver is always going to retoxify anyway So, you know, you can do 40 liver detoxes a year, but until you heal and seal that gut lining, there's always going to be junk moving into the bloodstream, which the liver has to filter, and then it's going to get congested. Mm. So coming back to the the original cause of, of what's going on was really important. She also, I think one of the biggest things, um, and I shared this little preview on the on the Facebook page, was how she talked about how 
different um, men and women respond to to different stresses. So um, she was saying how women, when they have stress, whether it's physiological stress or chemical stress or emotional stress or especially stress coming from the gut, so physical stress, um, their antibody levels go sky high, whereas men rather than their antibodies going up, their inflammation goes up. And that hormonal difference is quite stark. So we also saw that, um, and she was sharing this, that um, when men are stressed, they close up because they actually want to, and, you know, this is emotionally and physically, right, they don't want to talk about their issues. (laughs) But this is essentially the... They're talking about this as a as a function to actually protect the level of testosterone flowing through the bloodstream. But when that stress gets impacted and estrogen levels get too high, it can actually cause aggressive behaviour. So previously we thought that it was increased testosterone levels um, associated with aggressive behaviour in men, but it's actually too much estrogen. Wow! So like little little things that for me are so fascinating to talk about and hear from from these expert guests and you know to be able to ask follow-up questions on those things and work out like which probiotic is is going to settle down the gut and how do we work out which strain is going to be good for this and and our fermented foods good for candida and all these different things is is really nice and um, also just coming at it from the point of going, what's the everyday person going to want to ask here mm-hmm. and um, what are they going to want and how can they actually put this information into action? You know, having those principles as a as a leading pillar of, of that work I think really helps make it tangible because a lot of these online summits, at least the ones I've listened to, you almost have to have a, a background in health or a medical degree to understand. Yeah, so and, I and it's easy that. to yeah. let your mind wander because it just gets too heavy. Exactly. So I didn't want it to do that. I wanted to, once again, breach that area between the medical experts, uh, experts, the medical experts and the, um, the researchers and the everyday person yeah. as well, you know, because I think practitioners have so many insights mm. that we, we probably underappreciate because, again, when they're working with people every day, they start to see big trends, you know, macro trends in how people respond to different things and um, the insights you can get from those practitioners is so incredible, you know, so much more, much more powerful, I think, than, than an ideas person sharing ideas online, you know, (laughs) I think it's, it's much more important to listen to people who are in the trenches getting the work done. So that's what we tried to achieve. And I think we did achieve it, you know, and the interviews are beautiful. I actually looking at your interview the other day, cause I chose to edit all the, um, all the interviews okay. and yours was particularly nice from a cinematography <laughs> point of view. Oh, like good. it was filmed very well. Yeah. So I really enjoyed watching your interview cause it was oh, just good. very, very clean and nice. So oh, yeah, good. it was, it was very good. Mm-hmm. I saw it. Good hair there. I, I don't suck at TV anymore. <laughs> so a couple of years ago when my first book came out, I had to do some YouTube clips with Thermomix and I was exhausted nice. and it was the first time and it was a whole day of filming and I was tired and hungry and cold and, oh, I did really badly. I couldn't even smile by I'm the sure end of it. it. No, it was shocking. And Fuad looked at it and he goes, Joe, you suck at TV. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I never let him forget that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, like since you've done, for instance, the online gut health program, the videos there are fantastic. I was so impressed. I was like, oh, my oh, God. Thank that, you. Yeah. <laughs> you've done all right. Redeem yourself, Joe. <laughs> Good. Um, <laughs> I trust that you can get in front of a camera and do well. So I'm happy for you. <laughs> the trick, the trick there is you've just gotta, you've just gotta speak to the cameraman and be really good friends with the cameraman, and then it's yeah. everything's easy. Once yeah, that you've got those that does make going. a big difference. So, and also, yeah. you know, chatting with you, um, Kale, is easy. Whereas if you're, um, you know, if everyone's just looking at you and you're speaking on your own, I think that is more difficult. It's definitely a little bit trickier. It's a unique, very unique skill, I mm. think, being able to talk to camera. Yes. And yeah, I saw one of the clips that you shared, and I thought it was fascinating. But I was talking about capsules versus powder probiotics, like having it straight. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Mm. So that was with um, John Elliman, who's a microbiologist, and we talked about how, um, yeah, basically what you said—the difference in efficacy from uh, between probiotic capsules and probiotic powders. John's argument, and John's very, very funny and, and um, very dry with, with his humor. So he says, look, um, in the, the nature of science is that I can only share with you what we know so far. And chances are that next year I could be proven wrong, but that's called science. But basically his argument was that when you take a probiotic capsule, um, it actually ha- is forced to re when it when it enters the stomach so it will do that by sucking in um, a lot of hydrochloric acid for instance oh. and um, that can actually kill off a large number of of the different probiotics in the capsule That's whereas if you yeah and um, he said you can coat it with something uh, I think called uridant or uridant or something like that you can coat it but then it actually the same issue occurs but in bile, which is obviously very alkaline, which obviously skews the probiotics as well, because especially lactobacillus bacteria who love acid. You know, um, that's what lactobacillus means, acid uh, duric, which means they endure acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he said the the best way that he found to do it, and he did a lot of testing on pigs at the CSIRO in the Dairy Research Center, um, they were using probiotics and they used to boost the probiotics with a prebiotic in water so it was hydrated and that actually was better able to flush through the system. Yeah. in very high numbers and it would still come out in the in the poo samples that they tested so that was yeah john's like, uh, what like put raw potato starch mixed with probiotics and water and you down that is that sort of <laughs> <laughs> no he was doing he was using fructose oligosaccharide and inulin which two okay. um prebiotics shown to be to be quite beneficial but he also broke down and this is very interesting joe you probably i mean both of you guys would be very interested in this he also broke down and how amongst those generalized umbrella terms such as lactobacillus acidophilus, there are actually a lot of substrains of probiotics. So you've got like the B52 strain, you've got the C blah, 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 and all these different strains and that some of them actually stimulate the growth of bad bacteria in the gut. <laughs> and they actually did some research at the Department of Primary Industries and John just sent me through the graph. Um 
and he had the results. And there was some there was a lactobacillus rhamnosus strain that was actually the worst out of them all, and it actually drove the numbers high of of pathogenic microbes. But again, at the same time, there was a lactobacillus rhamnosus strain. So this is the same exact name that you'll probably see on a, on a label, hmm. but a different substrate the other end of the graph at suppressing the pathogenic bacteria so i mean just those little things yeah. can can have a big impact on your everyday health decisions you know and um informing the consumer to make an empowered decision um is quite easy to do when you have people like yourself and and uh and john elliman who's you know like i said very dry will tell it how it is um <laughs> on the summit yeah I found it interesting too. I can't remember who it was you were interviewing, and I think it was a lady, and she was saying how the microbiome can switch very quickly. Because you sort of think of it as something that you've got to work on for ages to, you know, to work on rebalancing your microbiome. So was she saying that it actually can be done very quickly? That's Dr. Margie Smith. Um, okay. That's in the trailer, and yep. people would have heard that at the start of the interview. Um, she is a as a molecular geneticist who uh, runs Smart DNA, which is a mm-hmm. microbiome testing company down at I think they're at Monash in Melbourne. Don't mm-hmm. quote me on that. But we're working with them on the gut movie, the documentary. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, very interesting. And she was saying how from the results or from the testing they've done, you can quite significantly shift the population of the microbiome within about 48 hours. Wow. But she also said that when you when you skew the diet in any way, you do affect the microbiome in a big way and it will adapt to what you're eating you know tim specter did some funny research he's a he's a uk professor tim specter uk based researcher and he had his son actually follow a processed foods diet for a week so he ate mcdonald's three times a day oh, wow. and uh, he found that he had a 70 percent reduction in in his microbiome diversity by wow. um day four or something so a huge um shift in the microbiome and what I'm trying to do with the the documentaries to work out whether that's a good a good thing or a bad thing. Um, you know, does our microbiome shift and adapt to different diets to save our life, or does it shift and adapt and actually cause detriment to us? Mm-hmm. And you know, will this explain how we have um, cultures such as the Inuits living off a full fat and protein diet with mm-hmm. no starches to feed them? microbes if you will according to the csiro um but how do they survive and thrive on their primal diets is it the microbes actually shift into what we would look at and say typically is a is a weird skewed unhealthy microbiome but in doing so help them exhibit such fantastic health results so it's a very interesting topic and i think that Something else that has come out of interviewing all these experts is the fact that we don't know as much as we think we do about the gut and the microbiome. There's still so much yes. to learn and there are so many species to discover and the future of medicine is going to be probiotic based i mean actually i don't even think that it already is going to be that way we've got pharmaceutical companies trying to develop their own strains of probiotics now it's going to be a very very interesting and i suppose somewhat turbulent time over the next 10 years as we as we race to discover what is truly an optimal microbiome and whether it one even does exist Hmm. 
sounds like everybody, like all the different cultures, have their own version. So hmm. they do, yeah. and and you know, if we're going to run with that principle, um, things just work for different people, don't yeah. they? So um, it'll be very interesting to to have a look at that in depth. Wow, fascinating! I'm yeah. looking forward to it. So when will we be able to have a look at the Gut Health Summit? So the Gut Healing Summit is airing, yeah, it's airing at the end of March. Um, we're still, this is how uh, disorganised I am. It's the last <laughs> week of March, so it's the 27th that it, it starts airing um, and it'll finish on the 30th or the 31st of March. Um, so we'll be doing the typical sort of summit style in that way um, that we will air the interviews for free for one day at a time and then um, people can actually purchase lifetime access and get a bunch of bonuses and, and things like that as well, the transcripts and the audio files as well if they want them by um, purchasing that lifetime access. So that's the way, yeah, we've done it. But I suppose, Joe, you'll be able to, Joe and Fide, you guys will be able to sort of send out some links on Facebook perhaps. Yeah, we can do that, definitely. Um, will yeah. you? And we can put a link um, on the show notes um, sure. To, so that people can figure out where where to go, that will be absolutely. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And if you go to your Facebook book page, which is um, how do they find your Facebook page? Because you've got two Kale Brock. I think pages. you can just search. <laughs> I think you can just search Kale Brock. Um, okay. I mean, every everybody just decides to add me as a friend these days. So <laughs> I know that's, so that's just... what happens. You end up with two thousand friends. <laughs> yeah. And I just end up accepting everyone. But um, if you also like the the public page, which is just facebook.com forward slash Kale's Broccoli. Ah, that's um, what I was wondering, Kale's Broccoli. That's the one. You can see all the previews, like little um, interview snippets of really interesting stuff. And you can see the trailer, which we've been working on for a while, which is really, really cool and powerful. So um, there's a bunch of stuff you can check out there. But it's also you get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff if you uh, jump on my social medias, like Instagram and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> yes, you, you absolutely. Don't, you don't suck at TV, Kale. You're very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> amazing, this, this blog. It's amazing. He is. <laughs> he is. No, we really recommend that you guys all go and have a look at this because it's going to be very fascinating. And, and like Kale says, it's done so well. It's not one of these, um, you know, Skype camera type, deals it's a, mm. it's the real deal so it's thank nice. you thanks very yeah. much guys awesome all right well thank all right. you thank you so yeah. much kale i'm i'm really um looking forward to watching it all It'll be great thank you and thanks for being a part of it and okay. uh thank you guys for letting me come on your wonderful most popular show <laughs> on the wellness couch <laughs> 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 You're welcome. No, it's a pleasure to have you, Kale. And uh, I'll catch the next couple of weeks for a bushwalk in the Blue Mountains and a dip into the freezing mini Haha Falls, hopefully. Oh, lucky oh, you. Okay. That, is, that is a vlog in, in itself. <laughs> isn't it? I'm going to bring my camera oh, for that one. You watch. He'll jump, off that. He'll jump off that cliff, Gawad. You watch. <laughs> of course he will. <laughs> I want to see that on the vlog, all right? Yeah, yeah, I'll, okay. I'll do camera work. <laughs> oh, lovely. I look forward to it. Well, thank you so much. Right, and everybody, thank you for listening. And um, have a look at the show notes, and there will be the links there for you to click through to Kale's Gut Healing Summit. Thanks, everyone. 
Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.